Well, big happy Easter to you wherever you're watching from. We're so glad that you can spend Easter with us. And if you were with us yesterday at our in-person gathering, how good was it that we could actually see each other um, on this Easter weekend? And um, today really is the greatest day in all of human history where we celebrate uh, really the centerpiece of our faith where we saw Jesus come back from the dead. Uh, Anyone excited about Easter, put it in the chat if you are excited about this Easter weekend. And uh, I just want to share for a short time uh, a thought around this uh, incredible moment in history. In Luke 24, uh, from verse 1 to 12, it says this, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed, they confused about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. All right, there's a moment you can get excited. Get excited in the chat. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. Just amazing account in scripture. And look, so we, we see a group of, of women. We see two Marys, Joanna and several other girlfriends. And they love Jesus. And we see it through the Gospels. They, they followed Jesus. They believed in him. They, they, they said he's God. They knew who he was. And they had a painful moment where they witnessed their God, the God they serve, die. Like, dead. Just, just imagine, put yourselves in, in their shoes for a moment and just think about how that would feel. Everything that you've believed in, everything that you have put on, suddenly just gone, dead. And I'll tell you how I know that they knew that he was dead was because the Bible says they were bringing spices to the tomb. They were bringing spices to a decomposing body. They were trying to put some old spice on there to make sure it didn't, didn't stink too bad. They, they believed that their dreams had ended. And when they get there, they find that the stone has been rolled away and there's an angel who's in there, who literally says that Jesus has come back from the grave. And such a profound account. But every time I read this account, and every time we get to Easter every year, uh, there is one particular thing that's profound for me. Yes, angels in a tomb. That's very profound. Women with spices, maybe not so profound. Uh, stone being rolled away from the tomb, profound. But still not the thing that gets me. Every time when we get to Easter... The thing that gets me is, why did they open the door? Have you ever thought about that? Why did they roll the stone away? Why did they open up the door? And then why did they leave the door open? Uh, It was something that had me perplexed for a long time. Because when you read forward, a few chapters later, we actually see when Jesus has come back from the dead. He goes to visit his friends. And when he visits his friends, he doesn't ring the doorbell. There isn't the ring video doorbell. You know, he says, it's Jesus, I'm here. There's none of that. The Bible says he walks through the wall. So if Jesus walks through the wall a few chapters later, why do they need to open a door for him then? Uh, 
I don't know if you do, maybe you do. Do you remember the moment when maybe a parent or a guardian gave you a set of house keys for your house? See, I, I remember that moment when I was a kid. It was like a powerful moment. It was all a little bit like when, you know, um, Frodo had the ring. You know, it was like, this thing is incredible. You know, I've been given power to a house that I don't pay the mortgage on. And I remember mum gave it to me and she gave me some really strict rules. She said, okay, Daryl, if you've got these keys, you've got these keys, follow the process. When you leave the house, she literally had to talk me through, leave the house, you pull the door closed and then you lock it. Two steps, pull the door closed and you lock it. Like, right, I can do that. I can pull the door closed and I can lock it. The first day I had the keys, I go off to school. Mum's already gone off to work. I leave the house. And I remember I'm going through the process in my head. Pull the door closed and lock it. Now, I definitely pulled the door closed. But I may have missed the second step. And off I went to school. And I remember coming back. And as I got back, the front door was wide open. I mean, this thing, it was wide open. I'm freaking out as I'm looking at the door. I walk inside. I'm thinking maybe the house has been burgled. I go straight inside. I look for all the valuables. This is a true story. I'm looking for the valuables. I'm looking around. I checked all my valuables because they were clearly the most valuable things in the house. My Super Nintendo, you know, the list goes on and on and on. These are the things I look for. They were all okay. So I sat down because I'm like, okay, I've got, I've got through this. This is okay. I don't have to tell mum. But then suddenly, my allergies began to flare up. And so I'm, I'm sneezing. Now, there's, there's, there's only one reason why I would sneeze. I typically sneeze because I have an allergy with cats. Cat fur. When there are little devils in the house. I'm kidding. They're not devils. If you love cats, that's awesome. But <laughs> when my allergies would flare up, and this, this little thing, this cat, stroked past the back of my neck on my couch, there was a stray cat that had run into my house. And I mean, it was so comfortable. It's wearing my bathrobe. It's like, this is my house now. And I remember freaking out. I got the cat out and I had to tell my mum when she got home. And in that moment, my mum said something so profound. After doing, as parents, you know, the stern talking to, uh, she then said something very profound. She said, Daryl, do you not understand that an open door is an invitation? Do, do you not realise that an open door is an invitation? And see, I believe that the stone was rolled away, not, not so Jesus could get out, but so that we could get in, so that we could witness the only tomb that's famous for what it doesn't contain, that we can look into the tomb and see the signature of God, the fingerprint of God, that he is a supernatural God, that he could do the impossible. The tomb was left open for you and for me. And this is the very heart of God, not just that we would know the resurrection of God or we would just consider the resurrection of God, but we would step into the reality of the resurrection of God. And so they walk into the tomb and the angels then ask a very strange question. They say, why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, last time I read it, I don't know if you see something different, but they were in a graveyard with spices. I think it's clear that they were looking for the dead among the dead. And I tell you how I know that is because they actually arrived there on the third day. Now, on the first day, when someone would pass away in Jewish custom, you would be classed clinically dead. But on the third day, you would be classed Jewish dead. Like, it, it, because there was a cap. It was like anything could happen in this. This is literally what they would believe. So this, 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 is, this, this is someone who's dead dead. They're going to a graveyard to see the dead among the dead. And so the angels... 
they would have known that because I think they're a little bit smarter than we are. So what they were actually doing was provoking thought. This wasn't a question of them saying matter of fact, but they're asking the question, why are you looking for life among dead things? And I think this question wasn't just for the women in the tomb, but I think it's a question that's ringing true over thousands of years that why are we looking for life among dead things? Why are we looking for things, uh, life in things that can't give us life? Uh, Maybe a better way to put it is that it's not just um, our choice between life or death, but more often than not, it's a choice between existence and death. Just kind of, I'm at work, just existing. Or I'm in a relationship, I'm just existing. But see, regardless of success or substances or adrenaline rushes, you still won't find life among the dead. Because it's only in Jesus, only in Jesus, you will find life. And this is the first tomb that is an offer of life. And so equally, I believe that these angels were using this question to steer them out of the tomb. In other words, going, well, why are you still here? (laughs) It's time to get out of the tomb. There's nothing left in the tomb for you. There's nothing worth staying for. Inside the tomb is just death and darkness and emptiness. There's nothing in here for you and many of us. We sit in the dark room of a relationship hoping they'll change one day or we stay in the dark room of anxiety thinking there's no way out or in a dark room of negativity just thinking this is how things will always be and we're staring at disappointment and pain in this dark tomb, this dark place when really the stone has been rolled away. There's an opportunity to step out of our tomb and into the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. Today is the most hopeful day for all of us in all of humanity that we can step out into the resurrection of Jesus because he's not God who just just did something fun or did, did something interesting, but he stared death in the face and he conquered it. Micah 7.8 says this, it says, do not gloat over me, my enemy, though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. See, this prophecy of the resurrection of Jesus actually came about 700 years before Jesus was even born, before Jesus was even on the planet. This prophecy was written in Micah. But here's the powerful truth, that this prophecy is a promise that was written for Jesus, but equally written for you, that you equally will rise, the resurrection of you. And there's many different uh, situations that are represented, I'm sure, today, wherever you are watching from, but his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, gives all of us hope that when we mess up, when we fall, when we make mistakes, Like the women, we don't have to bring spices to dress the dead. We don't have to dress our mistakes up. We don't have to dress things up to try and make them look okay or acceptable and hide them under the cover of things. Because when we bring things to Jesus, he gives us a brand new start, a brand new beginning. We have a resurrection moment in him. And here's the truth. This is, this is good news today because if Jesus can interrupt the automated cycle of death, then don't you think that he can interrupt the automations in your life? All the things that you say are never going to be able to change. Like, I'm never going to be able to change this. I'm never going to be able to break this addiction. I'm never going to be able to break this cycle. Here's the truth. When you look at Easter, when you look at what happened in that grave, and you see how God interrupted that cycle, 
that means that cycle will be interrupted for you. There is hope and there is good news for all of us today at Easter that only God can make something grow in a dead place. You know, I find it so interesting when you look at the location, like the actual geographical location of where the tomb was. It was a tomb in a garden. It was a garden tomb. Scholars call it a tomb with a view because it was in a garden, showing me this truth that Jesus wasn't a dead man buried. No, he was a dead man planted. And that is exactly the same for me and for you, that God can bring life from things that we think are dead, the things that we think are useless. Jesus does this. This is his role. This is his job. And his gospel is an invitation for all of us to step into that. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love that so much. We have a living hope. Like we have a living hope. We don't have a hope that's dead, but we have a hope that's alive. Now, I'm, you know, as we, home churches, we're beginning to get to know each other. You know, I love, I love action films. I love it. I do. I love action films. Uh, but equally, I have a guilty pleasure. Um, I like the Titanic. Um, is there any Titanic fans? If you're a Titanic fan, if you're with me, just put it in the chat, please. Make me feel a bit better. But I, I'm, a, I'm a Titanic fan. I watch that thing over and over again. Um, I considered buying the Blu-ray. I considered, uh, but I love the Titanic. And there's something I need to clear up for all of those Titanic fans, and you will, you will understand this, uh, what I'm about to say. Um, there was space on the raft for Jack and Rose. I'm just putting it out there. If you've seen it, you know that there was space for both of them. But anyway, anyway, unimportant. Uh, but for those who haven't seen the Titanic, uh, we see the, the infamous moment where the Titanic, which was a ship that was known for being unsinkable, it was literally promoted as this thing cannot sink, but it hits an iceberg and the ship begins to sink. It's split apart, and there are two lovers who fell in love on this boat called Jack and Rose. And there is a famous scene, a famous moment, where as everybody is being evacuated, and there's bits of raft flying around, and there's emergency boats. Um, we see Rose. Rose is on a, a raft, and she's kind of holding on to the raft, and Jack's in this icy water, and there's a dialogue uh, that goes between them. If you remember it, Jack looks at her and says, promise me, is, she, is he shivering? Is he's in the water? He's freezing. And he says, promise me, promise me that you'll survive. That is one of the biggest promises that you could ever make. <laughs> She's in the water. There's <laughs> just been, you know, they've just hit an iceberg. He's like, promise me you'll survive. And then what happens after that is Rose is holding on to Jack. He's holding on. She then says, I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go as she's letting go. <laughs> she's letting go of his head. The circumstances around her is that she begins to let go of Jack. She's freezing and she's panicking and she starts to let go and she panics. And isn't that so true about our hope that so often because of our circumstances, we begin to let go of hope. We begin to think, oh, I can't hold on to hope anymore. It, this is happening around me. This has thrown me. This has taken me by surprise. I've had this report. This is my life. This is my upbringing. When we 
begin to let go of hope. But here's the truth today. Because we have a living hope, hope now won't let go of you. Hope now has a pulse. It has a name and its name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus refuses to let go of you today. So there is a hope that's available for you on this Easter Sunday. On this Easter Sunday. And we've been caused to be born again burst into life. I love that imagery of being born again. That's like baby imagery because if you were to ask a baby, if you were to say, hey, uh, baby, can you tell me about your history? Uh, I don't think the baby's going to communicate about its history, where, where it's been. It's brand new. And that's what it means to be in Christ, to be born again. It means your past no longer holds you. You've been made anew in Jesus Christ. And that is the truth about Easter is that we can say once you're in Jesus I have left my tomb my grave clothes are folded I've walked out of my tomb and I am now brand new you're in a new place because of Jesus Ephesians 2 4 to 7 as we close it says this but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And right now, as we wrap up on this amazing Easter, it's been an interesting year that we've had here in the UK as we've and all around the world with, with COVID, but here as we arrived at this Easter, I would love to give people an opportunity to step out of their tombs, an opportunity for people to come into relationship with this God, this God that so loves you, and this God that says that you right now in this moment can have a brand new beginning and leave the past behind. If you're here today and you're saying, Daryl, that's me, I want a new beginning, I want to know this Jesus, I want to leave the tomb behind, I need a living hope. It's very simple. I'm going to pray a prayer and I would love this wherever you are, just pray it with me. So if you're here and you're saying, Daryl, that's me, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I choose to follow you. I leave my tomb in Jesus' name. 